What's going on everyone? Today is day three. It's the morning of day three of Tony Robbins Business Mastery Virtual. Uh, this has been an absolutely incredible experience so far. I'm making this video. It's going to be on YouTube. Also, the audio of this is going to be on the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast, going through what business mastery is like, what we're learning from it, uh, what content we're getting out of it, some, some thoughts that I'm having. Uh, first of all, if you haven't seen some of the other videos, I've done videos of uh, Unleash the Power Within and also Date with Destiny uh, of the virtual experience. So I, I did those videos. I'll put the links down below to just kind of show you what those events are like. Now, this event, Business Mastery, is an event that I've wanted to go to for years, ever since I went to my first UPW, Unleash the Power Within, back in early, I believe it was 2018, March 2018. Um, I've wanted to go to this event and it just hadn't worked out. I'm so excited about it now. Yes, it's virtual, not live, but at the same time, like I'm getting so much out of it, getting so much content out of it. Part of me was thinking I would wait until they do it live, but I just said, no, I need to do this now. And I'm so grateful that I, that I have, and I can tell you this. I think, I think a lot of people watch these videos, look for these videos, um, to ask the question, is it worth it? And right now we've only finished two days. It's the morning of day three. We're gonna go into day three. It's a five day event. And I can say that already, I feel like it was worth every penny. It was worth every penny already. I'm so excited to implement these things into my business. And I'm really excited, just, just absolutely amazing content. I think oftentimes one of the criticisms, I, I don't think it's sound or valid, but one of the criticisms of Tony Robbins events tends to be, well, there's just a lot of jumping up and down. And I think that's because of their marketing. Their marketing shows a lot of the dancing and that kind of thing, but there's so much great content. There's so much uh, time of introspection. There's just as much meditation as there is, um, you know, jumping up and down and dancing, but not really in this event. There hasn't been all that much meditation. This event has been very nuts and bolts, very concrete, um, very, very concrete, applicable content. But I do want to say this, the whole idea, someone said, I, I, I put a uh, comment up about going to this event and someone said, well, I don't really, I don't really uh, care for Tony's events because it's just a bunch of jumping up and down. And I said, oh, cool. So have you gone? And he said, no, I haven't gone. I just heard that. And so you got to understand like the whole purpose behind that, the lots of jumping up and down. Well, what is that? There's loud music, dancing, that kind of thing. And it's to get you into a physical state where you can actually listen. I really struggled in school. School is something that was so hard for me. Um, my GPA in high school was atrocious. My first try at college, I uh, was put on academic probation and then left for a number of years before coming back and really dedicating myself. I did graduate from college and I'm very proud of that, but it took a lot of effort for me to do. And in all honesty, turns out all I needed was some dance breaks. And if I had some dance breaks, to be able to move my body, um, get into a different state and be able to focus. I mean, I could have done, I can sit through 14 hour days with the way that they do things, but I, I couldn't sit through my 90 minute class. It's just kind of interesting how that all, how that all works out. Um, but for me, it's a really, really great style of learning for those who don't know about the virtual experience. They've, they've gone above and beyond. This is not just a zoom meeting. This is far better than any virtual event that I've attended uh, other than other Tony Robbins events. But, um, I'm not going to be doing a ton of, 
uh, video content of what the actual event is like in terms of the um, the virtual nature of it, what, what that looks like, the technology and all those things. I did that in UPW. I did that with Date With Destiny. And the reason why is I'd been to those events uh, in person before, and this was going to it virtually. So I'd been to those events. I'd experienced those events. This event, like, I'm not doing anything other than focusing 100% of my attention on the content because this content is so incredible. So I want to go through day one and day two with you. And then uh, I'll go through day three, four, and five. I intended on going through all of these days one day at a time, but at the end of day one, it was just so much content and I just needed to um, spend some time processing that. And then at the end of day two last night, I was like, okay, I can do both days. I was like, you know, I'm so tired. I mean, these are long days, really, really focused. And yeah, they're long days, but I'm so glad that they are. I'm so excited that they are because these days are filled with so much content, um, so much applicable content. And I'm going to go through what uh, day one and day two, just some of my highlights. I just wrote some notes, you know, what what I wanted to cover here on this video. Purpose of this video for me uh, number one, I think it's good content. I think a lot of people, I've watched a lot of videos like this, was very interested in these kind of videos. But also for me, it helps me cement in the content that's most important to me. And so I've recorded what I wanted to share. I mean, I, I have literally taken, let's see, that's the beginning there. You know, that, that's a lot of notes that I've taken. Oh, shoot, I got to find it now. And that's in this notebook. Not to mention doing all the work that's inside of here. So let's jump right into it. What was day one like? Day one, the, the number one thing that I got out of just the first few minutes is play a new level of game. You know, Tony was talking about uh, different business numbers. He was talking about um, where someone was at and how they can grow. And they were saying, well, you know, you take a small business at something like $200,000 and you think, you know, how could they grow and then grow in this way, then grow in that way. And he made this kind of side comment where he said, well, you know, I mean, 200,000, that's almost like a silly number for talking about the people in this room, because obviously you can do so much more than that if you just think a little bit differently. And then he, he went on, it was like, it was almost like a flippant comment. He said, you know, someone who's just making, um, you know, making multiple six figures, well, obviously they're playing a different level of game than those who are in the million dollar bracket and those who are in the billion dollar bracket. And he said something really interesting. He said, those who are going after that six figure range, all they are doing is trying to replicate a job. They're trying to replicate their salary. And those people are self-employed. Now, the people who go into a different set, a different mindset, a different way of thinking, those are the people in that million dollar range. And then people in the billion dollar range, it's a completely different level of thinking. And it just got me thinking, well, you know, like I got into entrepreneurship as this idea of like, well, I don't want to work for someone else and I want to create my own thing. And I've been really successful at that and that's been really great. But I had the realization that I have been much more of an operator. I've been much more of a self-employed person, even though I have people who work for me and all that kind of stuff. But I, I honestly, I have been the mindset of someone who is self-employed instead of somebody who is a true business owner. And that's been my biggest focus here is how can I make that transition from uh, someone who's a business operator, someone who is a uh, person who is self-employed to someone who is a true business owner. 
And I love the way that he talked about it, which was just play a different level of game. And you can't get better at one game and expect the results of a different game. Meaning you can't be playing a six-figure game and just get better at it and then be in the seven-figure range because it's a different game. It's a different game with different rules. You can't just have incremental improvements. You have to play a different game with a different set of rules. And that was a big breakthrough. Like, honestly, like I know that might sound simplistic, but to me in this, uh, in that moment, it was like, I'm done. I have everything I need. This was such a great shift in my mind. And I know that might sound simple. I know I've heard things like that before, but for whatever reason, it was just cemented in at that time and it made a huge difference. So playing a different level of game, uh, absolutely great. Then he talked a lot about innovation. He talked about how he, he's, he's using a lot of Jay Abraham's content. If you're not familiar with Jay Abraham, he is a legend in the marketing world. And he's, he's talking a lot about his content and things that he learned from Jay Abraham. I believe that he'll be speaking at some point during the next three days. I'm not exactly sure when. Uh, maybe he won't be. I don't know. We'll find out. But I think he will be. But he was talking about how uh, Jay Abraham talks about businesses only two things, and it's innovation and marketing. And he went through a lot of different companies that had massive growth due to just innovation and marketing, just those two things. And that's what business really is. And he gave some examples. I'm not going to go over the numbers because um, I'm not going to say them accurately, but I'll just kind of give you generals. He talked about the difference between Ford and Uber. They're both technically car companies, even though one doesn't own any cars or manufacture any cars. And they looked at the value of these two different companies. And Ford had had a value of however many billion dollars um, and went through how many cars they make and what their expenses are and all that kind of stuff. And then looked at Uber, which was an innovation in, in the marketplace. And they looked at them and they were exponentially larger than Ford was because of just a simple innovation. Did the same thing talking about Airbnb. They compared Hilton to Airbnb. They said Hilton owns a million rooms and Airbnb owns zero. But yet Airbnb has, and I don't remember the number, but it was crazy how many rooms they had available for people compared to Hilton and then what their value was. And so Uber, not Uber, Airbnb didn't own any hotel rooms compared to Hilton owning a million hotel rooms and their value was exponentially higher. It was just really interesting to hear. They talked about Apple, um, talked about Tesla, talked about these companies who have done things that have had innovation. He talked about how you don't become a massive company by just having incremental improvements. You don't jump from one game to the other by just having incremental improvements. The way that you do it is innovation within your company or better marketing, or sometimes innovation within marketing. We talked about how Apple was all about um, both innovation and marketing. You know, they they had their their first big surge um, in the '90s when they started doing the the colored computers. I don't know if you remember those. I remember I was in middle school at the time, and I remember uh, Mr. Luce had a computer. Mr. Luce, if you're watching, I doubt you are, but honestly, you were the best teacher I had in all of my. Actually, you and your wife, Mr. Luce and Mrs. Luce. You too had had uh, Mr. Luce in middle school, Mrs. Luce in um, high school. High school, and middle school was so hard for me, but uh, the Luce family, you two were awesome. Some of my teachers were not so great to me, but Mr. and Mrs. Luce, 
You two were amazing. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I went on that rant. I'm sure you're not watching. But um, anyway, but Mr. Luce, I remember he had this like turquoise computer. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. What a cool thing. I don't know anything about the computer, but it was turquoise. So I thought that, that was really cool. Um, and then a, a, a really cool thing. He started talking about what business are you really in and understanding what business you are really in. And the reason why most businesses are not able to innovate is because they think they're in a different business than they are. And he used Apple as an example, but I'm going to go into that in a second. I'll talk about something that's really easy to understand. There was a large railroad company that had the opportunity to buy a, uh, what was a relatively small trucking company and some new technology and, and some new systems and those kind of things. And they just thought, no, we don't need to do that. We're a railroad company. Why would we buy this? And then obviously, you know, you look now, the trucking company is, uh, the, the, the trucking industry is um, so much bigger than the railroad company at this, or railroad industry at this point. Now we'll see what happens with self-driving cars and all that kind of stuff. Well, maybe the trucking industry might just be a problem for the truckers themselves. But the trucking industry, point is, is you looked at these two companies and you just looked like 20 years later and this railroad company was almost non-existent. This trucking company was huge and the railroad company had the opportunity to buy them um, early on, but they didn't because they said we're in the railroad business where Tony said in reality, they should have said that we're in the transportation business and gone and had that opportunity. You look at Apple, where Apple used to be called Apple Computers. They're just called Apple now. And Apple had this conversation, or Steve Jobs had this conversation with his team saying, well, what business are we really in? I said, well, we're in the computer business. He said, no, we're not. We're not, in the, we're not in the computer business. And at the time, he said something like, we're in the business of connecting people with their passions. And they thought, well, what's a passion that we can connect people with? He said, music. And that was the beginning of creating the iPod. That was the beginning of creating the iPod, which was okay, well, we're going to connect people with their music in a way that's completely different. Well, you can have thousands of songs inside of your pocket. And what we used to have to have in uh, a, a giant room filled with record albums, you can put this in your pocket and how cool that is. But it was about connecting people with their passions. And you look at what Apple has done since then. I mean, I'm looking at an Apple iPhone right now. But when you're thinking about that, it's all about... Um, connecting people with their passions. You know, why, why do people like Apple more than they like other, other software opportunities or other, uh, not software, hardware, other companies? It's because there's this feeling of, of creativity. You know, they really focus on the, um, not the professional, what they call the prosumer. The prosumer person in terms of video production, in terms of music production, in terms of photography, in terms of all those things, they focus on that because it's connecting people with their passions. They're not in the computer business. They're in the business of connecting people with their passions. Understanding that, boom, completely changes things. So understanding what business you are really in is what gives birth to innovation. Because if you just think that you are in the business that you say you're in, um, you might miss out on opportunities because you think, well, that's not, that's not what I do. Going back a little bit earlier about the idea of operators versus uh, owners, he said something really cool. He said, uh, a business operator is always stressed, but a business owner is abundant. And I thought that was great. Just said like, look, if you're a business operator, you're always going to be stressed. 
You have to become a business owner. That was really, really great. Um, then he got into the seven forces of business mastery. I'm going to pull that up in my handy dandy notebook here. So the seven forces of business mastery. So he goes through all of these right here. Seven forces. Number one, know where you really are and create an effective business map. So know where you're actually at right now and create an effective map. Number two, uh, constant strategic innovation. Now there's a difference there. It's not just innovation because a company that is constantly innovating is actually going to fail because they're never gonna have profit, they're never gonna have growth because they're always creating something new. It's strategic innovation is what's needing, what's needed. So that was number two. Number three is can I constant and never ending improvement of world-class marketing and product, product promises. So you continue to improve those things over and over and over again. Number four, constant and never ending improvement of sales mastery. So understanding your sales teams and improving those. Number five, constant anticipation constant anticipation, the power of financial and legal analysis. So as you grow, understanding um, what kind of liabilities do you have in terms of um, both, both financial and legal issues, which is a really important thing that oftentimes we don't think about. Uh, number six, constant, constant optimization and maximization. So you're just continuously optimizing all of the systems and maximizing what you have. And then seven, uh, constantly create raving fans and culture. Raving fans are very different than just having fans, very different than having customers, very different than having clients. Raving fans are the people that would just come back and come back and come back. Think about me and, and Disney parks. I am a raving fan of Disney parks. I know everything that's going on. Um, I'm first to buy most of what they have, most of what they do. I want to go when they have a new attraction. I want to be there. Uh, that, that's a raving fan culture. One of the things he suggested doing was taking one day, just 90 minutes, one day out of every week and a seven-week cycle and getting with your team, even if you don't have a major team, even if you just have um, you and you're just getting a couple clients together to talk to them about, about your business or a couple um, friends that you have, a couple people who understand your business, um, whoever it is, your mastermind group, and going through these. Here, you can take a screenshot of that if you want to look at it real close. But taking one of these every single week. So week one, you're focusing on knowing where you really are. Week two, constant innovation, strategic innovation, world-class marketing, uh, mastering your sales systems, and on and on. And then when you get to week eight, you start over again with week one and just doing this continuously, focusing on these seven forces of business mastery. So that was really great. Um, next thing he talked about that was very interesting was the life cycle of the business. Understanding the life cycle of any business. This was fascinating. I'm gonna find this page, I'll make a cut and come right back. Life cycle of every business, the 10 stages. 10 stages talks about birth, infancy, toddler, teenage, young adult, a zone of maximum maturity, midlife, aging, institutionalization, and death, you know, just like a life. It's really interesting, but he talked about how in a business, you know, he talked about some businesses that are 300 years old and talked about some business, uh, one particular business, 300 years old, who's still in this zone of maximum potential. So just kind of briefly, what he talked about birth is just the very beginning of the business. You're really excited the moment you take the risk and start building that. This is all about meeting your own needs. You're only managing yourself. 
infancy, this is a race for survival. Maybe you hire a person, but at the same time, this is still just you, Inc. You know, this is you running this bit, this business. Your focus is production. Your focus is, is cash flow. That's a significant challenge. At that toddler age, you start to be able to um, have a little bit more mobility. You're hiring people. You have other people that are out there. Um, everything is accelerated. Things are moving very fast, but uh, cash flow is still a concern. The business walks and talks on its own, meaning you have those other people that are working, other people that are doing things, and it's doing things on its own. And he talked about how a toddler can get in a lot more trouble than infancy, and than an infant can. It's really interesting. Teenage, well, we can get in a lot of trouble during that time. He calls this uh, crisis created by management because you're always trying to create new things. You're always trying to innovate. You're always trying to go fast. More means better. You're trying to do things. And, and he talks about how this is actually a time of immaturity in a business. You kind of feel like you, go, you know everything, but you really don't. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, the young adult is the beginning uh, beginning to amp anticipate the future. You start to become more focused, more committed to choices. You're really starting to refine the business to create long-term success. Then you get to that point of the zone of maximum maturity. Now, when it comes to that, you are reaping the rewards. You've developed a system for managing business that allows you to constantly meet the needs of the community that you serve and, your, and yourself in a sustainable way. Your business is run by a management team. It's not ran by you. And the organization knows who they are, who they are not, and what they will do in the future. Meaning they don't need to say, well, what, what, what would Jake do? What does Jake want? They understand what the organization is about and they can run it. Um, sales and profits are growing, they're expanding, and they're going very well. And what's cool about that is you could stay in that stage as, as long as as you want, as long as you keep innovating, you keep coming back, you keep doing those seven forces of business mastery, which is really cool. Now, a lot of people go, a lot of businesses then go into that midlife evaluation. Now, maybe not at the peak, but now they are, uh, things begin to break down. Uh, they, they start to have sales go down, but they don't really care because their profits are still up because they still have their systems, they still have those kind of things. That's something that's very common. And a lot of people stay in that stage for quite a long time. Aging, this is where breakdown begins to accelerate. Um, the focus starts to be how, how you're a victim, how um, really the, the industry has passed you by, um, something has occurred in the marketplace, and we are no longer able to succeed. Even though we were, and other businesses innovated, but we're blaming the market, we're blaming those kind of things, and the business is going down. Institutionalization, not everyone goes into this stage, um, but this is like, you know, think about like a, a elderly person going into an institution, going into a home. This is when they are artificially kept alive, when the business is artificially kept alive by something going on, like maybe they're too big to fail, kept alive by systems, rules, and policies, but no innovation or focus on serving needs of the community. This might be a business, he used the example of some, some car companies in, in Detroit that were bailed out by the government um, a couple years back, or also because... Um, he said right now, car interest loans are, are so low and that's all done by public policy made to make it easier to buy cars for the purpose of keeping these companies alive. And that's artificially kept alive. It's not because of their own innovation. It's not because of their marketing. It's not because of their strategic place in the workplace and the, in the, um, in the field, it is because they are institutionally kept alive. Then at the end death, uh, that they're no longer sustainable 
and there's no people to support it, the business is gone. So this is the life cycle of every business. The cool thing about a business as opposed to being a person is you can get you know to this point and then kind of go back here or go here and go back to there. Like you, you, all it takes is to innovate and to change a couple things. So that was very, very cool. Um, I could talk forever about this, so I'm not going to. Um, we also talked a lot about where are you now? That was what we did after we got into the business cycles. Where are you now and how are you gonna build on this from, from this week? I'll put some videos below about him talking about the concept of are you an artist, are you a manager, or are you an entrepreneur? A true entrepreneur is someone who just, they build a business so they can sell it, they're not connected to it emotionally, they love the feeling of risk. I thought I was an entrepreneur until, and I am an entrepreneur, but I mean an entrepreneur at my core. I thought that I was that until he explained what that really means, and what that really means is not what I am. I really am an artist. I'm someone who is creating something and created something that I love and I'm excited about and I'm attached to the vision. And so you have artists, you have managers, and you have entrepreneurs. So that artist is someone who loves the craft, someone who is excited about that, who's thrilled about the actual craft that you're putting together, uh, the business that you're putting together, the vision. This is the creative. This is someone who's creating something. That's, I'm all about that and I love that concept. A manager leader is someone who is very into systems, very into creating things, um, very into managing things. That's not me at all. I never had a, a thought that it was me. It just isn't. But then the entrepreneur, now I have entrepreneurial tendencies. I have entrepreneurial attributes, but I am not the true entrepreneur who's just, yeah, let's build this thing up. Let's sell it. I'm emotionally connected to things. There's nothing wrong with any of these, but it's under it's important to understand which one of these you are so that you can know where your blind spots are going to be. You can know what people you need to bring in and you can know which direction you need to go. So that was pretty much day one. I'll put some videos down below of the seven forces. Also him talking about uh, being an artist. Oh, here's one thing really cool about innovation that he talked about. There was a Girl Scout who sold the most cookies of anyone ever. And it's because she was innovative with her marketing. She sold 120 boxes of cookies in two hours because she set up outside of a marijuana dispensary and had a sign that said, feed your munchies. What, what a brilliant girl this was. What a brilliant girl. She sold 120 boxes in two hours. So talk about innovation. That was really, really awesome. So uh, I'm going to see where we're at in the seminar. I, I'm, I'm guessing it's starting right now. Right now is actually the beginning of day three. Beginning of day three. I haven't gone over day two yet. This will be a very long video, just warning you right now. Very long podcast for those of you listening. You don't need to listen. You don't need to do this. You don't need to watch. But if you are interested, you can go through the whole thing. So I'm going to go into day two a little bit later. I'm going to go into the seminar maybe during a break. That's an oxymoron when I'm talking about a Tony Robbins event. Um, there's no breaks. We don't do that. So I'll go into day two uh, after this, and then we'll subsequently go into three, four, and five. So I hope that you're enjoying this. If you've done Business Mastery, make a comment below. If you are enjoying this, got something of value out of it, make a comment below as well. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next video. Bye. All right. We are now actually in day four. It is the morning of day four. I intended on doing every night. But man, this this has been so action packed, and not only action packed, it's like it's it's been like doing like a whole year of college in in just you know a couple of days. And and I was telling my wife last night that 
like my brain was just so tired and couldn't concentrate. So I am going to at least talk about day two, depends on how long I go. Uh, then I'd like to talk about day three as well. Hopefully I get that in right now. Um, but oh my gosh, the first thing I want to say is we've done three out of five days. And honestly, after day two, I was just like, this was worth not only every penny, but so much more. And that's such an exciting thing. You know, I had held off on doing this for such a long time and it has been just absolutely amazing. So let me go over some of the things that we talked about on day two. So day two, we started talking more about strategic innovation like we did on day one. And it really differentiated the difference between uh, never-ending innovation and strategic innovation and how actually innovation done too often can actually create problems uh, and we need to be strategic with it. Next, we talked about new questions. Asking a new form of question and as you ask a new form of question, you're going to get new answers. He talks a lot about that in all of his seminars. Uh, talks a lot about that with Date With Destiny, change the question, you know, the, the, the quality of your life is dependent on the quality of the questions that you ask. And it's really true. You know, uh, thinking is nothing more than the series of asking yourself and answering questions. That's all thinking is, and it really creates a big difference uh, depending on what questions we're asking ourselves. So he said, if you, if you want to create uh, new opportunities, one is new questions. Second, you're going to get creative by finding new people to have conversations with and new people to get input from. And as you get that input, you're going to come up with new things. And he went over how a lot of different uh, big changes and different businesses came from just asking their audience. You know, it's kind of business 101, but it's so important to hear. He talked about when you create a plan, you want to create, you want to create options, but you don't want to create too many. You want to simplify it. And like you create a plan, what we tend to think about is one, two, three, many. Meaning once we get past three steps, we start to get overwhelmed by it. So if we can go, okay, let's chunk this down into three different segments. We're going to do this, then that, then that. Instead of going, we're going to do this, then this, then that, then this thing, then that thing. Chunk it down so that it's easy for you to actually be able to keep in your mind. This next part was awesome. Talking about the numbers to be able to understand how to grow the business. So you can do this with really small numbers. You can increase the whole business by 30% by just increasing that sale price by 10%, increasing the number of clients by 10%, and increase how often they buy by 10%. That's all tiny and it increases the business by 30%. He went on that and did that to how to increase your business by 72.8%. That was 20, 20, 20%, 20% increase your, your average sale price. 20% increase the number of clients, 20% increase how often they buy from you. And that's increasing by 72%. And it was really cool just to see the concrete numbers. And that brought some uh, really cool ideas, like all sparked all sorts of great ideas. One of my favorite things about coming to seminars like this is oftentimes I hear things that's going on in the seminar and it sparks new ideas that might not even be about what they're currently talking about, but it's so helpful and such a great thing. So that was a big giant thing for me. And then he spent the rest of the day um, with, I've seen so many Tony Robbins events and everything's available, everything that's available online, been to all of his seminar, not all of them, but all the seminars he offers, all the public seminars he offers. And um, I can say that this next two hours was the most moving experience I've had watching a 
any kind of Tony Robbins event, and he just was absolutely incredible. And I'm going to say this, it's not going to sound that moving, but something about it was so inspirational, not only inspirational, it was so um, just moving. Like it, it just, it just moved me so well. And maybe it had to do with where I'm at in my business, but it was about getting through any challenge that comes, any challenge that comes in your business, being able to take it, being able to handle it, being able to move forward with it without it affecting you, without it affecting you, without it stopping you. And it was such an inspiring thing to hear. He talks about five ways to get out of fear and to stay in peak state all the time. Like I said, these are going to be things that are things that you've heard all the time, but just his deliverability of it was unbelievable. He talked about number one, feed your mind daily. So spend that time. He talked about learning that at 19 years old and sticking with that. So 30 minutes a day of reading or listening to something, something that you're intentionally doing to feed your mind. Number two is train your body. And it's, it's a really interesting thing to think about it. Training your body is not just about your physical fitness, but training your body is about uh, staying in that peak state and doing that every day. And he said, look, push your body. I don't care if it's for five minutes a day. You can just do five minutes because the purpose of it is just to uh, get your blood pumping and, and have those kind of feelings. I thought that was really cool. Number three, get a role model. Number four, proximity is power. Get in the situation, get in an environment where you're around the kind of people that you want to be around um, that are going to help you with your goals. I hear all the time people say, well, you know, I'm not successful because I don't know the right people. You'd be like, well, cool. So go meet the right people. That, that's, that's number one. That's the first thing to do. We talked about the importance of that. I had some really cool stories. Um, then number five is give more, give more than you expect to receive. And how important that is to give more than you even you expect to receive. So often we're trading all the time. He said, I live by the principle of I'm trying to give more than I even expect to receive. And I end up receiving so much more in return. One thing he said that I thought was really cool was your story, like the story in your head, your story is the only thing that can keep you from your dreams. And we need to just grab on to when, whenever an opportunity comes, grab it, figure it out. You don't know how to pay for it, figure it out. You don't know how you're going to do it figure it out. If there's an opportunity that's going to improve your business or it's going to improve your life, figure out a way to do it. Grab hold of it and don't let that fear hold you back. Uh, So that that was all great. His session there was unbelievable. I'm not doing it anywhere close to justice, but um, it was really moving to me. It was really moving. And the way that he delivered it was just Really, really incredible. After that, we finished up with Donald Miller coming on talking about the story brand. If you're not familiar with Donald Miller, Donald Miller go to the story, I believe it's yourstorybrand.com. Uh, learn all about him. He's fantastic. I'm not going to go through every detail of what he talked about because it's all available on his website. I could go on forever about it, but uh, he did a really, really great job. His focus is helping people. He said, like, basically, this is his elevator pitch was, well, you know how a lot of entrepreneurs have a great product, but they just don't know how to let people know about it. They don't know how to convey the message that this is a great product that you need. So while I help people, I help businesses understand the words to use, craft the words to use so that people want to buy that product. It's a really cool thing. Like you just use your wording a little bit differently. You talked about how to do that, went through a different, went through some stages of that where basically the, 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 what it really comes down to is that confused people never buy. Confused people are not going to buy. And so what you need to do is you have to state the problem. You have to state your solution and then state their reward. 
You have to state their problem, state your solution, and then state their reward from following that solution. What's going to happen there? I thought that was a really cool thing, like a really, really cool thing. I was thinking about my uh, Groups for Coaches program where we, we show coaches how to use uh, Facebook groups to be able to attract their ideal buyers. And so I was going through it with that. I was like, okay, cool. And he talked about it from like a story perspective. Hey, what do you do? How do you answer that question? That's what we're talking about. How do you answer that question? What do you do? And you might do a lot of different things. I do a lot of different things. These are for different products and different services and that kind of thing. So I came up with, and it's going to refine and all that kind of stuff, but I came up with this concept of, well, you know how most coaches love helping people, but they just don't know how to go about getting clients. That's not why they got into it. They didn't get into it to be a marketer. They got into it to be a coach. Well, I help coaches implement a simple and easy to follow system that gets their clients to come to them so that they can focus on coaching, doing what they actually love instead of marketing. It's like, okay, cool. And I'm going to refine that as I go. But I I thought that that was a really cool system. That was a really, really great way uh, to go about stating the problem, stating your solution, and stating their reward. It was a lot of fun. Donald Miller is really great. If you're interested in him, go to yourstorybrand.com. So all in all, day two was by far my favorite day so far out of the three days. I don't think I really did it justice, but that one session when Tony was talking about those five different keys to stay away from fear and stay in the state, like that, there was just such a moving experience as he was telling his uh, experience of committing to this. And he said, look, this sounds so simple. I get it. Something I say all the time, but he said, all these numbers, all the things we're talking about, I said, if you cannot master these five things, you will not apply these numbers. So it doesn't matter. So you need to make sure that you're actually doing them. You need to make sure that you're actually following them. He said, my life is the way that it is because I followed these five things to a T religiously. This has been something that's been so important to me. That was really great. Also, we did the breakdown of those numbers of growing. You know, those, those numbers, it was so empowering to look at those numbers and realize it's so much easier than it seems in, in my head and in most people's heads. We get stuck in our heads with the complexity of it. But when we keep it simple, it's so easy. So that, that day two was so empowering. It was so empowering to me. It was so exciting to me. And I just, I saw so many possibilities from it. So it was absolutely incredible. I loved it. And uh, now let's get into day three. All right, then let's get into day three. What happened in day three? Day three was really great. Day one and two, to be honest, I was a lot more emotionally connected to day one and two. And it was because they were more comfortable for me. Day one and two was in my wheelhouse. I was comfortable going there. And we were talking about the things that I was comfortable with where day three was pushing me outside of my comfort zone and into my growth zone. Um, So in reality, day three was fantastic, even though during parts of it, I felt a lot more uncomfortable than I did during uh, day one and day two. Now, we started off with something I'm very comfortable with. We talked about Facebook marketing. Uh, Mari Smith came on. She was talking about Facebook marketing. Really cool concept she talked about was vanity metrics versus business metrics. Vanity metrics are likes, comments, and followers, where business metrics are traffics, leads, and sales. So yeah, social media is great, but what does it actually get you? And what you're looking for in terms of tracking the traffic, the leads, and the sales, that's what we're actually looking for. Um, she talked about a lot about the difference between organic uh, versus paid, paid marketing and how important it is to do both, but really understanding where you can actually get organic traffic and where you really can't and need to put money into it and how to use that. 
What was really cool was she talked all about groups, and that's right in my wheelhouse, something that I, I love talking about, something that I love doing. And she talked about the importance of having that group as the top of the funnel, and I thought that was really cool to hear um, her talking about that. After she finished, we went into uh, a man named Keith Cunningham came on, and this is where it got a lot more uncomfortable for me. It was, it was hours of going into understanding numbers, accounting, I mean, things that were like really high level, things that I would say a couple years ago would have just intimidated me and I would have just turned off. But I, I, I took the time to focus on it, to learn the things they were talking about, and it really stretched me and I could see where they were talking about uh, the things that they were talking about were so important. And he talked about understanding understanding the numbers, understanding the accounting so that you could understand trends and relationships. He says, you don't need to be an accountant. You don't need to understand everything. Um, you don't need to know how to do everything, but you do need to understand it from you know the 30,000 foot view so that you can see trends and relationships. Trends being which way is it going? Relationships seeing why is this happening? What's the relationship between this and something else? It's basically cause and effect is what you're looking at. But if you don't understand these numbers, you can't do it. And I was hearing things that, to be honest, I'd, I'd never even heard before. You know, the concepts I hadn't heard before. I'm not going to attempt to teach it here because that's a whole different level of understanding to be able to teach something. And I'm just not quite there yet, but it was fantastic. I, I will tell you this. During part of it, I was like, well, this is so great for me to understand, but now what? What do I do with this? And I was a little bit frustrated inside. Frustration often comes when you hit something that maybe is a, um, not a weak point, but a, a point where maybe you don't feel super confident in. And that's not an area I feel super confident in. I'm very comfortable uh, speaking, communicating. I'm, I'm comfortable as an entrepreneur building things. I'm comfortable being a leader. I'm comfortable with all those kind of things. I'm comfortable with a lot of things that many people are not comfortable with. But when they started talking about this stuff, it, it put me out of that comfort zone into my growth zone. And then he said at the end, well, you're probably wondering now, what do you do with all this? So we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. I want you to have a bite-sized chunk, bite-sized chunk. It was two and a half or three hours. But in part of me was grateful that I didn't need to go through more so I could just process what I had and then go through part two the next day. Uh, but then part of me was kind of frustrated, like, no, I want to know how to apply this, what to use this with um, so that I can kind of satisfy that in my, my head, close the loop in my head. Um, but we're going to do that today. So that's very exciting. I'm excited about that. So that was really good. Keith Cunningham was brilliant. Uh, a lot of it was um, some pretty complicated things, but it was stuff that was so important. And that's why I put myself in these situations is to, to, um, put myself outside of that comfort zone into that growth zone to, to intentionally make myself better. So that was really, really, really great. And then Tony talked about something called the eight triggers of crisis in a business. He said, if you can anticipate these things, then you can be ahead of the curve. And the eight triggers of crisis were, number one, a change in competition, meaning there's someone else coming into the marketplace, and now they are a new competitor. Maybe they're doing things in a better way, in a different way, and that goes into the next one. But the first one is a change of competition. The second one is a change in technology. A change in technology can happen and wipe out an entire industry seemingly overnight. Um, a change in culture can uh, can change your business. You use the example of technology for two of these, actually all three, change of competition, change of technology, change of culture. And what that was, was uh, he was talking about 
uh, Napster is what he was talking about. Well, first it was a change of competition because all of a sudden their products being given away for free, change of technology, they had the technology to do this, but it's also a change of culture because he said, well, you know, I go back to when I was young, the concept and idea of stealing music was so foreign. It was the same thing as me going into a grocery store and grabbing food and walking out. But the change of culture was it was accepted. You know, that's when I was in high school and it was very accepted. It was very normal. I did it. Lots of people did. I, I stopped fairly soon afterwards. I thought, you know, this, this probably isn't right. Um, but I did it for probably two years, just every, all, all music I could think of. And so that was a change of culture. That was really interesting. And then we went into change in economy. So when there's a crash, and that could be up or down, but it can change your economy. Next would be a change in government regulations. So changing what's acceptable in business. Uh, next was a change in customers' in customers' lives. So maybe you've been serving a specific generation, and as they get older, then there's a change in their lives, and that's going to change your business. That's so going to change your company. Change in employees' lives. He used the example of you might have a particular employee that's super gung-ho, hard worker, there all the time, first one in, last one to leave. Uh, then they get married and then things shift a little bit. Then they have a baby and then things shift a little bit. So all of those things can shift what's going on in the business and they can trigger a crisis. Uh, and then lastly was a change in your stage of life. So you're changing, something's going on there. But he talked about how if you can anticipate those, if you can anticipate those things, then you see a world of difference. Now, the next thing that happened was absolutely amazing. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Um, there was a gentleman who came on and talked about his foundation. I believe it was called Marisi, M-A-R-I-C-I, the Marisi Foundation. Uh, it seemed kind of similar to what Operation Underground Railroad does, but they're... Um, a lot newer and there's some differences but they're doing the same thing they're all on the same team doing the same type of thing um i'm not sure exactly why i know that tony robbins is very involved with operation underground railroad but they were using this i think probably to help them get going even though they've been going for a couple of years but really you know help them in a big way um but they came on and he did a presentation and then right there because everyone's at home with their phones in their hands in 15 minutes we collectively as a group raised $1.2 million, which was going to go to saving over 2,500 young girls uh, from sex trafficking, from being sex slaves, a life of just horrific nature. And um, it was amazing to see so many people. I mean, there are people, there are people giving you know, 500 bucks, but there are people giving $25,000. And then um, Tony ended up giving... Uh, 250,000 is what he ended up getting, giving to it. And that was, it was so cool just to experience in the short period of time, in the short period of time, in their, in their organization's history, they've saved 7,000 children. They saved, saved 7,000 children from this life. And in 15 minutes, they're at the point to where it's going to be 2,500 more. I mean, it's just mind-boggling what happens when you have leverage there and seeing that happening and seeing all the celebration and seeing Tony so excited about it. I mean, he was so excited. He was in tears, just excited about all the people giving and he's such a generous soul. Um, you know, it's something that there's so much sincerity when it comes to, to giving and, and donating and, you know, supporting causes. It's one of the things I love about Tony 
And it was so fun to see that happening because there was like a, uh, a scale going up and up and up and up. And it was cool to see that happening. And they're playing songs and Tony's announcing people as it's happening. And as he see, you could see he was genuinely um, surprised and happy. I guess when it was in person, uh, my friend Preston, who was here watching, said that when he went in person, they did it for Operation Underground Railroad. And in person, in the in-person setting, they don't they 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 raised like two hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollars and then Tony matched it, but like something about the virtual setting where you could do it live you didn't have to go to the back of the room you didn't have to do all that kind of stuff it was just you were at home you had your phone in your hand you had your computer in front of you and it was so much easier and it can happen in live time, and uh, so that that was that was really cool it was a really cool experience to see it felt it felt like. Um, you know, just something really important happened right in front of us. And that, that was super, super cool. Um, that was a, a, an experience that I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that experience watching that happen, which was really, really cool. Then we closed the night out afterwards. We had a dinner break and then um, we closed the night out with a man named Todd Hartley was coming on. He was talking about video. It was really, really great. Um, he talked about a lot of the things that I knew and then a lot of things I just thought about in a different way using video for awareness, using video to stay top of mind, using video to educate them, and then to move your potential client down a rabbit hole, a customized rabbit hole. He's talking about using retargeting ads to actually stay top of mind and, and put them through this rabbit hole of information, and then some cool tools and cool ways to use video in the sales processes, You know, sending uh, demos, making the personalized videos, sending them to them, not just waiting to get on a phone call, but using video to continue the relationship so that it's not just a text, not just an email, but staying top of mind. That was about an hour and a half training. It was fantastic. It was really, really great. Todd Hartley is his name, so you can look up more stuff about him. But I'm thrilled for these next two days. We have two more days today and tomorrow. This has been absolutely worth every penny. I have loved it. I'll most likely, you know, I was thinking like, oh, well, I want to go now, so I won't go live. I'll probably end up going live as well. Like, this was so good, so worth it, um, worth every penny. I know that I'm going to not only recoup, but have such a high ROI from this experience. So, so far, it's been absolutely incredible. I've loved this experience. Uh, if you're thinking about it, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and I'll come back to talk about day four and day five and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. All right, I am back. It is not day four. It is not day five. It's actually a couple of days after Business Mastery. Um, I got kind of a bad cough. It wasn't obviously not, not from anything there uh, since I wasn't in person. I was, I was virtual. But um, I'd been sick the previous week. And for whatever reason, it just started getting to me. And I just felt like I couldn't really make that video. My hat's crooked. How do I? There we go. It seems straight. I think it's straight now. Anyway, I was uh, feeling like, well, I just, I, I've loved this material, but I really couldn't deliver without hacking up along during it. So I decided to wait a couple days. Uh, I may end up editing a few things out because I might still be coughing a little bit, but I'm doing good. Don't worry how to test everything negative. Everything's going great. Um, so day four, day four we got into, we opened up with Keith Cunningham talking about those numbers again. I love numbers. Numbers love me. Uh, at, at the last video, when we talked about the Keith Cunningham section, I said, well, I really want to know what was coming next and what was it for? And he definitely delivered with that. And understanding those numbers made all the difference in the world. I'm really excited to apply this stuff, which is crazy for me because I've never really liked numbers. And so I was very, very excited about that. Understanding that was a really, really cool thing because he started to take these numbers 
go through different charts, go through different case studies, and show us how these numbers are used in a way that we took one case study and basically what it came down to is this one business that looked like everything was going great, but at the end of the year, there was not only no profit, but they lost money. And then showed just a few little numbers they could have changed to exponentially grow the amount of profit because they made a couple of mistakes. And the point was the analogy that it was using is if you're in a plane, if you're in the cockpit of a plane, there's all these levers, there's all these buttons. If you don't know what they are, you, you can't use them. But these numbers, they are the cockpit of the plane. They're the cockpit of the plane. They're all the little levers. They're all the numbers. And when you understand what they are, you can use them and you can use them as tools. I said, there's no reason to fear any decision when you're able to look at your numbers and able to see what it is and see as a snapshot, what are these numbers going to end up doing? So I actually really, really loved that section, even though it wasn't something that uh, I was really looking forward to, but, but I absolutely loved it. Then Tony came on stage and spent you know several hours working on this concept of optimizing by little small improvements. We talked about the 10, 10, 10 from day three. Well, this we were talking about improving more segments, but even smaller improvements. It was really, really cool. I'll go over those in just a second. He talked a lot about Pat Riley, his relationship with Pat Riley. He had a situation with when he was coaching the Lakers where they went all the way to the championship, all the way to game seven of the championship and lost by three points. You lose by three points in game seven of the championship. Well, you're definitely the second best team in basketball, but arguably you are the best team in basketball. If they played that game 10 more times, it probably would have been split even even because, I mean, how, how much more even can you get than that in a game that doesn't allow you to end with a tie? So he was, a, the, he was coaching this team that he felt like he pushed to the limit. He couldn't push them any further. So he said, what can I do to push them further? He had some metrics that he was studying. It all came down to one number. He said, I wanted to increase that by 25%. I don't know exactly what that number was, but he wanted to increase this metric by 25%. He said, that's a lot to push them. So he said, well, there's five players on the court and I really just need to have each of them increase one of these things by 5% and that would equal a 25% increase. Small, little incremental changes and that ended up getting that 25% he was looking for and they won the championship that next year. It's a really cool thing when you get into it and you start looking at it, incremental changes. He talked about how important it was uh, to have stamina, to have business stamina, to keep going, to have that, that courage to keep going no matter what. He talked about Walt Disney being turned down by 301 banks absolutely crazy. Talked about Colonel Sanders getting a hundred, not a hundred, a thousand and nine no's before he was able to, to see any success. And then he went over this incredible case study that I want to talk about. This great case study where, uh, this is the charts that we went through. He went through a period in his business where he just took one division of his company. This was the coaching division of his company. It was actually the sales call division that was selling their coaching program and how he was able to take that from $2 million annually up to $5 million annually in one year with just little tiny changes. It was super cool. I'll go over that in a second. I wanna share with you the, the categories that they're focusing on. These apply to every single business, every business, whatever it is. So here we're talking about the five drivers. What's it called these? The five stages to find and expand your key profit drivers. It's a long sentence. But that's what we got going here, these five drivers. I like how you put it in this, uh, this, this page that comes out. But what do we got here? Number one, increase your leads and drive more traffic to get more leads. That's what you're looking for at the top. 
goes through all sorts of different ways that you can drive more leads. There's 10 different ways here. Um, but that's number one, getting more leads, increase your leads. Number two, increase the effectiveness of your sales process. So is a sales process effective and can you make it more effective? Number three, increase your sales conversions, get more clients. Number four, increase your transaction value, getting more money. We talked about that yesterday. It wasn't yesterday, but it was from day three. And then uh, number five, add more value. Follow up, give more and get more. Give more and get more. This is when you're getting repeat clients. So these five drivers are what you can look for. Instead of just saying, well, I want to improve my business. I want to get more sales. Well, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Well, you first start with, I need more leads. Secondly, after that, I, I need to be more effective in my sales. Third, I need to increase the volume, not increase the volume, increase the, uh, the sales. Sorry, that is increase the volume. We're getting more clients. Increase the volume. Number three, increase the transaction value. So you start looking at, well, okay, these are things that I can do here. And then number, four, number five is creating raving fans so they keep coming back. But we went over this with a case study in his business where we just changed little tiny incremental changes. Basically, what he was able to do is just increase these different elements of the business by small percentages. So basically, to put it into perspective now, the big sales team he had, they were contacting 30,000 people per month. But at that time, with the 30,000 people per month, they were currently getting 20% of them to have a meaningful conversation. That means they actually answered, they talked to them, they had a conversation with them. 20%, that was 6,000. Now, out of those 6,000, 45% of them set an appointment. So they weren't making the call. This was a, a coaching program. They have the call, they set up, they start to have a meaningful conversation. They set up an appointment where they're giving them a free coaching session to give them uh, value and show them what it's gonna be like. And then from there, close the deal. What they were doing before was 30,000 outbound calls per month. That led to 20% having meaningful conversations, which was 6,000. Then out of those 6,000, 45% set up an appointment, that's 2,700. And out of those 2,700 appointments set, 70% of them uh, actually showed up, and that was 1,890 that were happening every month with their sales. This was obviously not one person uh, with the sales team. From there, 19% of them purchased. So that ends up equaling 359, 359 um, closes, 359 sales. Uh, is what they were ended up bringing in. They're bringing up 359 per month, 359 sales per month. But then he thought, okay, let's just change things by a little bit. Now, the biggest change that he made was 20% uh, of more leads. And the way that they were able to do that was by bringing on more salespeople. They already had the leads to contact, but they brought on new salespeople so that they were able to get to 20%. Now, everything is gonna grow uh, incrementally. By the way, here's a shot if you wanna screenshot that. You can see what I'm looking at. You can take a screenshot and then you can look at these notes. So, and if you're listening to the podcast, go over on YouTube, go to mtmsuccess.com and uh, let's see, mtmsuccess.com slash blog slash business mastery. Head over there and you will see this video. mtmsuccess.com slash blog slash business mastery. So what they did, they increased the leads by 20% which now they have 36,000, that's a lot, but they have a big sales team, 36,000 leads contacted. They found a way to increase uh, the number of meaningful conversations by 20, uh, by 3%. Now they went from 20% to 3%. That's a tiny little change. 
tiny little change. They found a way to do it by talking to a person who had a higher percentage rate, found out what they did, and they were able to do the same thing. From there, they increased the amount of appointments set to 52%. So they were at 45%, they went to 52% instead. These were all the goals that they were setting. Talking to the team, do you think you could do this? Do you think you can end up doing this? So 52%, that ended up being 4,306 appointments set. Then from there, they increased the people who actually showed up from 70% to 80%, it was 10%. Wasn't a huge thing, they saw a couple little things that they were doing and made that change. Then from there, how many closes they had, they only increased it by 3%, went from 19% to 22%. These were tiny little changes that they made and they went from 359 sales per month to 758 sales per month. Also on top of that, they talked about different upsales that they could improve. And what's really cool is they didn't just meet those goals, they actually exceeded those goals and they grew the division by 134%. They went from being in the $2 million range all the way up into the $5 million range. That was so cool to watch. That whole breakdown was absolutely incredible. I know that me rambling about it might've seemed kind of crazy, but the point of it is small incremental changes. Small incremental changes with those five drivers. If you're looking at that and taking small incremental changes, you're gonna see huge impacts on your business. So all in all, day four was incredible. Now let's go into day five. Day five started out with a man named Bill Gross speaking. What was really cool about Bill Gross, he, did, he made all sorts of cool things. One of the things he did, he actually invented the technology for pay-per-click marketing. He ended up selling uh, a portion of it over to Yahoo and sold a portion over it, uh, of it over to Google and uh, made a bunch of money doing that. And honestly, it was, it was a steal of a deal. I can't remember what it was, but it was way below what the value was. But really cool that he invented that technology. And then since then, he has something called the Idea Lab, just, just works on really cool ideas. Now he's spending all of his time focusing on um, reusable energy, sustainable energy, and how can you can make it cheap enough to where the masses want to actually use it. So the technology is already there. We're trying to get it cheaper so that more and more people are going to use it. Next, uh, Dean Graciosi came on and spoke. He was talking about marketing systems. He did a great job in this session. It was a really great session talking about marketing. Um, I won't go into it too much to get into the details, but if you haven't already, check out Dean Graciosi. Really, really smart guy. Uh, then we did something really cool where Tony had two different business people come on. He had uh, Dave from Dave's, Dave's Killer Bread. If you haven't had that bread, I think it's really good bread. And then also the woman who created ClassPass, which is a fitness program, not a fitness program, it is a website that you can go on to um, basically to get a bulk price of a bunch of different fitness classes within your community. You can go and try out all of them, which is pretty cool. Her, her first name was pronounced Payal, P-A-Y-A-L. Her last name, I, Kadakia, Kadakia, I'm not exactly sure, K-A-D-A-K-I-A. -A -A. Both of them were really fascinating. Tony sat down, had sit-down interviews with them, and talked to them about um, talked to them about creating their businesses, what they were able to do, their innovation, um, how they were able to innovate, how they were able to get to where they got to, and what I got from both of them, especially uh, D Dave's Killer Bread, was really about finding a way and taking the opportunity, no matter where it comes. They were scared to do it. They had to move to a much bigger place to be able to fulfill the contract that they got with Costco, and they felt like, well, but if Costco falls through, then we have way too much space here, we can't afford it, but they took that risk and they did it. With Payal, it was about finding something that people were looking for 
and finding an innovative way to deliver it. Also, what it really came down to with her was finding a way to do something she was passionate about instead of just doing what she was supposed to do. Um, she was a really, really bright person. She went to MIT. She was working for Bain Capital. You know, so she was doing a lot of really cool things and she left all of that to say, I got this idea. I want to go create this thing, something that I believe in, and in 10 years, turn this into a billion dollar company, which is amazing. From there, we did a review into the seven forces of business mastery, talked about them and talked about what we learned throughout the five days so that we could actually integrate these things and we could remember these things and capture the things that we wanted to personally remember from the event. So number one, know where you really are and create an effective business map. So we went over all seven of these. I'll read all seven uh, to, to review with you. Number two, constant and strategic innovation. Number three, constant and never-ending improvement of world-class marketing and product promises. So what's the marketing that you're doing? Constant, never-ending improvement there. Next, constant and never-ending improvement of sales mastery. Number five, constant anticipation, and that's the power of financial and legal analysis, understanding um, what kind of risk you're having and what you can do in terms of anticipation. Number six, constant optimization and maximization. That was like what we talked about yesterday with that case study of Tony's program. How can we maximize this? What can we do to increase by little tiny percentages to see a big giant gain? Number seven, constantly create raving fans and culture. And what, what was advised to us was to take one week, every single week for the next seven weeks, focus on one of these for 90 minutes. Focus on knowing where you're really at. The next, the next, next week, talk about strategic innovation. The next week, talk about world-class marketing and on and on and on. And the advice was to do that over the next seven weeks, but then week eight, start over with week one and just continue to do that over and over and over again. At that point, we had Scott come back and Scott was talking about um, integrating and we went through a process to integrate each of these. We broke down everything that we wanted to remember. Of course, we ended with some high emotion and, and something that an incantation about us being gladiators and being able to survive in winter and any time that there's challenge, adding value and, and thriving no matter what. And then we went into the incantation of being a gladiator and how, how great that is, realizing that we can get through anything, that we are gladiators. We can get through any season. We can get through any challenge. doesn't matter what challenge comes, we can get through it because we are gladiators. We can add the value. We can find the results. We can go and do it no matter what. So all in all, this event was absolutely amazing, absolutely incredible. At the end of day one, I felt like I had already got my money's worth. Then I got so much more. I'm so excited to apply these things. I know that this video has been rambling. I know that it's been long. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you got something out of it. And the biggest thing that I got out of this is to think at a different level. What I said after day one was, you know, this is really about choosing to be an owner instead of choosing to be an operator. So for you and your business, you might be in a place where maybe that's not the next step is to go and be an owner instead of an operator. But you can ask yourself, what can you do by using, uh, by using automation and delegation to just save yourself one to five hours a week? Automation and delegation, what can you do to save yourself one to five hours a week? And then the second thing is, even if you provide a service that, that is you actually doing something, what can you do in your business that can be a branch of your business that is scalable? Because a service really isn't scalable if you have to be the one to do it. An example is being a speaker. Well, being a speaker, it's not, it's not scalable to be on the stage because, I mean, who wants to be on stage 365 days? But even if you could, 
that, that's all the days that you have. You can't scale it beyond that. So someone who's like a speaker, well, the question would be, what could I scale? Can I create a course? Can I create a program? Can I have a book? Can I create some other kind of product or service that could be done by other people that can be scalable? And so ask yourself that. So two things I want you to take away from this. Number one is, what is one area of your business that you can either delegate or you can automate that will save you one to five hours a week? So I wanna keep it super simple, just one to five hours, something small. What's one thing that you can do? And then secondly, if you don't already have a scalable aspect of your business, what is one thing that you can create that can be scalable? Meaning, you getting more work, you getting more business, doesn't mean that you have more work to do because it is something that is scalable. I want you to focus on those two things. You're gonna see really great things from that. If you're interested in going to Business Mastery, if you already have an established business and you've hit some kind of ceiling and you're ready to get past that ceiling, then this event is absolutely for you. Figure out where you can get the money and go. Just go, pay the money, it's gonna be worth it. If you're someone just starting out and you don't have a business yet, I don't know if this is the first step. I think it might be overwhelming. And uh, on top of that, it would all be great information to have. But I think that, that if you're just starting out and don't have a business yet, I think the answer is to look into how do I get started immediately and start making some sales bringing in some revenue, and then come to this event to learn how to optimize that revenue. That's my advice. But if you have a business going right now and you're looking to scale it, you've hit some kind of ceiling and you're ready to scale, this is absolutely the event for you. Absolutely the event for you. I absolutely loved it. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this. If you did, come and say hi. Head over to mtmsuccess.com. You can see more of the uh, videos, more of the blogs, more of the podcast episodes. Also there, you'll see that you can get a free five-part video series of the number one goal success system. And that's something you can go and apply. It's for people who are looking to uh, reach any goal of any size, head over there. Also, if you are a speaker, author, or coach, or are interested in becoming such, um, come and join our free Facebook group, Speaker, Author, Coach. Let's see, if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash speaker, author, coach. That's where you can find it or just search Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Network and you will find it. So thank you so much for coming and hanging out. This has been Jake Ballantyne with Mountaintop Motivation and I will see you at the top.